Hello, everyone. Welcome to GovGeeks Assemble, level up your nine to five on 95. Uh, Karen, I was uh, going through your reports earlier and I noticed that you were missing a couple of pages on your TPS reports. Is there anything about that you want to talk about? Any of the cover memos? I hate those TPS reports. <laughs> yeah, it's just that we're doing new memos for all of the TPS reports now. I'll make sure that you go ahead and get that memo so you understand that going No, I forward. got the memo and the memo after that. <laughs> right, right, right. You see, we're changing the TPS reports. <laughs> you should have been an actor. I know, <laughs> it's so good. Well, if you guys had, oh yeah, that'd be great. Right, and I even have the, the coffee mug ready to go. Mm. Although I need the uh, the bracers, you know, that would be a nice little touch to it. Braces. The braces, braces, sure, sure, sure. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, we're talking a little bit today about micromanagers. And that was from, of course, the great movie Office Space, which we adore thoroughly. Um, but micromanagers can be a bit of a challenge to deal with sometimes, right? Yep. So that's our topic of conversations today. We're gonna to give you three great strategies to deal with that. And then uh, talk about some Q&A from the GovGeekdom at the end. All right, so let's get into it. So Karen, what are your thoughts about uh, micromanagers? Well, we've kind of touched on this before where sometimes it's necessary to be a micromanager, right? but it's not something that you want to do consistently and for every employee. So as you become a manager and a leader, you wanna make sure that you are using the appropriate amount of managing resources. Of course. Like I remember a while ago, you had this great theory about uh, the platinum rule treat others as they would like to be treated rather than just like how you would like to be treated because it's about their interests and their needs as well. But sometimes we are uh, in different workplace environments where some people need a little bit more guidance, coaching, mentorship, all of that stuff to help them. A little them. bit more direction. A little bit more direction, right. Yeah, because what happens sometimes if you're on the job and you don't know how to do something and the boss tells you, get it done but they're not providing you guidance, direction, or information, that can also be pretty frustrating. Right, which how often do we have to deal with on the job training? Yeah. Very often. Uh, very often, like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a bit of a curveball there for a second. <laughs> I was gonna say all the time? I mean, <laughs> yeah, on the job training is really kind of where it's at. And in public service and working for government agencies, we have to be able to do a lot with not so much. You know, there's a lot of responsibilities, a lot of requirements, short timelines. Um, but with all of those limitations, there's not necessarily as much tools or people really there to do all of the work. So yeah, on the job learning is important. So we have uh, a couple of strategies if you're working with a micromanager uh, or if you're feeling micromanaged, that might be of value to you. Um, before we do that, uh, we have this whole theory on situational leadership, and there's a, a chart or a graphic that I think that we have for you. And it's just basically about like, again, how a person sees their work. And this is a, a great thing in leadership styles. Um, there's four quadrants on this one. And again, this is a situational leadership theory. There's delegating, supporting, 
coaching, and then directing. So in the delegating box, uh, that's basically where a person could say, here, here, <laughs> do this, get it done. <laughs> this is why we hired you in the first place. Please go do this. Uh, and then there's more of a supporting role where you could say, all right, you know, here, uh, here's the activity. Uh, I'll be here to help you. I'll be in the background. Let me know if you have any questions and we'll, we'll move on. Then there's coaching and that's a little bit more about, okay, well, you know, how are things going? Tell me, how are you doing? What are your issues or concerns that you're having? Let me high support and high direction. Thank you. Yes. That is much easier to explain it that way. High support, high direction. And then the last one is really where the micromanaging comes into place. This is directing. Uh, so you are observing and directing every little action or activity that needs to happen. Uh, and that can burn some bridges and cause some frustrations. Definitely can. <laughs> so how do you deal with that? All right. So we have three strategies here to help you uh, deal with all of those. The first is really to set expectations and really agree on what those expectations are. Uh, Karen, you, you've dealt with a, a lot of political appointees. You've dealt with senior members of agencies and organizations. How do you go about agreeing on expectations with, uh, with leaders and managers? I think it stems from having that discussion with them from the beginning. And when you're more of an entry-level employee, that's a little bit more difficult to get around. But essentially, you're sitting down with your supervisor and having that discussion, they pretty much lay out what they expect of you. And you can also lay out what you expect of them and what you're capable of. Right. If you don't like micromanaging, then understanding that their style might lean towards that. How can you come up with a middle ground? Or maybe you really do enjoy having a very high directive, low support type of leader or type of manager. And that's fine too. Or maybe you need that in the beginning, but then maybe not so much later. So it's always that communication piece where you want to make sure that you all are communicating on how best to get the job done. Right. Communicating. That's definitely the big thing. And, and I appreciate how you said how you may have needed it at the beginning, but you may not need it later on. So if you're communicating that, that helps. Because what if the supervisors there are thinking, gosh, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm trying to help everyone out. Uh, I'm going the extra mile and I'm showing them here's the form. Here's how you fill this out. Here's the next step. They're thinking that they're giving a lot to help, but they may not realize that they're actually being more damaging than anything else by being so micromanaging. Right. So maybe sitting down with your employee and saying, look, this, how much direction do you need for this? Because I want to make sure I'm not micromanaging too much, you know, so Definitely let me know if I need to pump the brakes a little bit. If you've got this, that's fine. It's also important that as the employee, you're keeping your manager up to date on things. Right. Let's say if they give you something to do and they don't hear what's going on and they're trying to figure out, well, what, what's the status of this? Then they'll ask you. And if there's a repeated pattern of not having that communication of the different uh, points in the project, then you might end up turning your manager into a micromanager because they're trying to understand where everything is and what the status is. So right. if you're not giving that information, they're going to go to you to get that. So you want to try to make sure that you're having those 
milestone conversations right. of where everything stands. And that's why it's so important to agree, to agree on what all of that is. So if you know for sure, okay, this is the expectation of what I have to deliver and they have an agreement and an expectation of what they're going to provide, then it's easier for everyone basically be on the same page with how they actually go about getting work done. You know, one of the things that I've had with a supervisor in the past, which has worked phenomenally well, is uh, we have basically agreed upon language to help us agree on expectations. So for me, it's the magic word kryptonite. Uh, so kryptonite, as we all know from Superman, is the one thing that is a showstopper for Superman. He can go around the world, do everything that he needs to, but as soon as kryptonite is there, then that kind of destroys things. So if at any time uh, he's explaining like different requirements, rules, strategies, expectations, and I feel that either I don't understand, I need a little bit more of a timeout or something to kind of like set more expectations. <laughs> well, definitely. Some, how many times at work do you, you just like, all right, I just need a timeout. I just need to, I just need to I calm the, down. I hit the pause button. Right. That's exactly what that is. Uh, so perhaps in, in having your conversations on agreeing on expectations, you can do something as well. So then later on, when you're in the heat of the moment, there's different activities, requirements, deliverables, et cetera. Uh, it's a quick and easy conversation to solve something up front rather than, oops, I thought you wanted this or, oh, I thought you were asking for that. Or can I Ask believe? clarifying questions. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Karen, how do you go about asking clarifying questions to help? as a um, as an employee, not necessarily as a manager or supervisor. I feel like a lot of times the clarifying questions I need to ask are what is the priority of this right. and when do you and by when do you want this? What is because, the priority and by when? Right. Those are the two key things that usually people won't provide you. So they may be thinking if I'm telling Karen to get this done, that means I want it now. Whereas I could be thinking, okay, well, after I get all these other things done, then I'll work on this. So if there's no clear expectation on when you want this and how important it is, then we might have an issue. Of course. And that's also great for having the, a larger conversation because if they want everything now, well, you can't really have everything now. So as part of the conversation, you could say, well, I can push this up. I can move this back. I can work with this other person to do this you know, have that conversation. I can delegate it to somebody else to do. Of course. Yeah. So that we're meeting everyone's expectations and then you're on the same page with them as well, because also you want to be able to manage your own ability to deliver well enough to the agency or organization that you're working with. Because um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, then you can't really get the job done. And then that's going to be a detriment. And later on, it's going to be something where the supervisor is like, gosh, you know, I thought I trusted you with this one. You kind of let me down on that one. No one really wants to have conversations like that. So if there's agreement on what the expectations are, it's a whole lot easier. Right. And I especially love the part where you said, um, what is the timeline? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's really good. Um, so it just opens up a good dialogue and a good conversation, I think, which is fantastic. All right, so that's strategy one, making sure that you are really good on expectations. So the second one uh, is really connected with that and it's communicate early and often. Uh, you talked a little bit about having the conversations with supervisor or supervisor with the employee about all that. Um, what does communication look like, uh, Karen? 
Like how, how can you best communicate? Any way that the, I think one thing to clarify is how does your supervisor or manager like to receive communication, of course. which I will highlight um, one of the development retreats I went to, Lacuna. They highlighted this point, which- you know, Kudos to Lacuna. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Which you know that, you, you know this, but actually hearing it, or what is it? We know this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Professor, you know this. We know this. We know this. We know this. But for, for this instance, it's like a light bulb went on. I'm like, Ugh. you know, you never really ask somebody, well, how do you like to receive communication? Right. And that came into play even with me. Like, gosh, have I, you know, I don't like- doing phone calls necessarily. I do a lot of emails, texts. I am, I'm very much with, you know, the written communication. Um, I'm very much the opposite. I like to have the conversation. Introvert. Um, so from there, it really like a light bulb went on and it was just these tips on making sure to learn how somebody likes to receive communication. Right. So if your supervisor likes to receive communication in lengthy emails in white papers in spreadsheets phone calls what is the way they like to receive that information then you can agree upon okay if you like seeing spreadsheets how about i put together a project task tracker and you can take a look at it or we can meet every week on it to see where everything stands um, a lot of times your manager has a lot of meetings so maybe right. meetings won't be a good use of the time, how do they best want to digest this information? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it starts is getting on the same page there as far as how do they like to receive communication? Yeah, and very when, helpful. Do they need their cup of coffee first before they even get spoken yep. to? You know, things like that. Those are all very important. And you know, it's interesting because we're, we're talking about where we are at a staff level, speaking with uh, a manager at, at their level. So it's not always just about what it is going down, but you're also trying to manage up as well. Uh, another great thing is to include things like stoplight reports. So essentially you have a project plan, you have a timeline, you know who's responsible for what, and then it's a simple, simple color in the stoplight. Red, okay, there's an issue. We need to stop and look at this. We need your help. Yellow, hey, this is a heads up. Might not be anything, but we wanted to you know, give you a heads up Could on this be one. Delayed. Could yeah. be delayed. Uh, green, everything is going fine. No worries. We're on track. We're on target. Uh, and then you can even have like a blue or a clear dot uh, for something that has yet to be started. Quick and easy. And that could be something that is uh, in an email. Uh, so the person receives it. They see, you know, all the dots and they're like, okay, looks like everything's on track. What are the issues with that? How can I help? You know, I think another thing with communicating is also asking them how they can help. So it's not like you come to them and you say, here, I got this problem, fix it for me. Mm -hmm. Rather, it could be, we identified this issue. Uh, here's how we can uh, address it. Here's what I need from you to uh, address it. That could be very helpful. Right. And I think, I know in my experience, one of my um, supervisors, they really enjoyed getting a lot of data, mm -hmm. right? And it's interesting on how do you present that data and there was a way to figure out, well, we put a simplified kind of like the, the stoplight um, scenario up on front, and then you have all the data to dive into uh -huh. and digest later if they wanted more information. So, and then you just have to you know, change depending on who the who your audience is, right? Know your audience. Know your audience. What was it in forensics? 
Who's Always, your judge? Who's your judge? <laughs> Absolutely right. Karen and I were in speech and debate or, or forensics in college. She, of course, was the platform captain. She did fantastic. Uh, and that's really, it's all about know your audience, know what they're looking for, what they need. And then having that information, if you're, say, a middle manager, then you could work with your teams and say, this is the expectations. This is what I would need from you guys to help me help us meet these overall expectations. So here's the stoplight report. Uh, I have my meetings with the supervisor every Thursday. Please, uh, during our one-on-ones, have your information by Tuesday or Monday so we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I can provide that there. Um, other forms of communication I think are great, or like if it's team meetings or one-on-ones, we are just able to have frank and open conversations. Because sometimes, um, it can be a bit challenging if you're in a, a large group setting and you have an issue or a concern, uh, but you don't want to call someone out uh, directly during that meeting and kind of derail stuff. You want to have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We'll with take the that person. offline. Exactly. Yeah, sure. We'll take that offline later and uh, go through it a bit more. Absolutely. Or e even in addition to that, uh, what if the issue is a lot more complex and you need to describe the situation? but that's gonna derail the intention of everyone else being there. So yeah, one-on-ones can be very helpful as well. Uh, or back in the day when we were all in the office space, uh, even ah, if you back do- Back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> Strolling into people's offices, uh, if they're good with that, if they have an open door policy, you know, hey, I have this question, can you help me with this, et cetera. Um, having lunches, so if you're talking about like larger career developmental goals, or you're trying to reconnect about, you know, some, some bigger themes on things, having a, a quarterly lunch or a cup of coffee, something like that to get you out of the office and away from the different uh, hustle and bustle, just to have a good open conversation about things. Those are also very helpful. Right. Which is difficult at this time. So how would you do that during telework and social distancing. Yeah, well, for me, it's always great to have calendar invites. So we know for sure planning out your week, your month, what you're doing with whom and when, and just really committing to those time periods where you know that you're gonna have that conversation. And if it's usually a phone call, make it a Zoom call or, or make it a you know WebEx or you know Microsoft Teams or whatever platform that you're on, just to kind of have that, that conversation, have that openness to have a discussion like that. Uh, those things are, are, are really helpful for me, especially as an extrovert, uh, having face-to-face -face conversations is always a great thing for me. <laughs> so that is uh, the second strategy, which is communicate early and often. And now for our third and our final one, uh, it's really about being proactive and risk aware. So what is being proactive in your eyes? Being proactive, the first thing that I think of is, let's say, if you do need your supervisor or your leadership's assistance with something, let's say you need their assistance reaching out to somebody, reaching out to their counterpart in another area. Many times, what you do is you brief them up and type out what you want the communication to be. Right. And basically say, here, here's the email. Help them. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's the email we would like you to send. You know, of course, tweak it to how you need to, but it's already there. And then that helps for them to be able to take the next action and reach out to that individual. So right. 
Yeah, because I mean, what if on their end, they're thinking that, oh, gosh, you know, I have to sit down, really understand the issue, write out a very thoughtful email, describe expectations, timelines, requirements, and all of that. Among the thousand other things. Of everything else that's going on. Yeah, exactly. So in the one-on-one meeting or the earlier conversation with them, you could say, here's the issue, here's the solution. I would appreciate your help by doing this or that. And then there's the email that you provide. And that allows them to just, you know, tweak it, massage it, have a little bit of like happy chatter at the the beginning. Exactly. But the meat of it is still there created and shortens the amount of time that they have to spend on it. Yeah. And then also I think builds a lot of trust between uh, the individuals sending the email and then you providing it to that individual as well, because you're on the same page, you're talking through the issues, they're saying, you know, what about this? How about that? And you can use that as, as you create things as well. Um, building partnerships like that, you know, it's interesting. It's not just like, hey, this is a entry level thing that a person does. No, this is really executive management. Uh, this is how people work together with uh, some of the most senior people in organizations and in agencies. Tell them what they need to know and help them help you. <laughs> it's pretty right. much and, as simple and pro- as that. Provide them feedback, right? Right, because they may not be aware that they're micromanaging. Who right. knows? Yeah. Right. So you want to make sure that you can also provide them feedback, just like they provide you feedback. I know I would appreciate feedback on how I'm doing. Am I doing something that, you know, is hurting the team or bringing down morale? Definitely. I would want to know because nobody wants to do that on purpose. Right. You know, fun story with that. Uh, No. Yeah. I I hope not. But I mean, yeah, it was always possible. Uh, so being the fabulous extrovert that I am, I know I've said that like three times today, that that's just who I am. But my thought was, you know, let's have a lot of team building. Let's have a lot of engagement. Let's have open dialogue and conversations. If there's an issue, let's all get in the conference room and talk it through, plan things out, you know, strategize, brainstorm, have discussions. That was not the style and approach that a lot of people that I've worked with have had. And so, you know, one person was very kind during our one-on-ones and said, you know, I understand that you're coming at it from a healthy place and you want to add value, but this is actually causing a a bit of frustration on the team because we like to be able to work on it on our own and think it through and then come have the conversations with you. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I appreciated having that, that frank conversation because I was approaching it from the most sincere of places and group dynamics. Exactly. Yeah. Like um, I have the storming, norming (laughs) portion of it. Storming, norming, performing uh, a journey. And I have plenty of my textbooks on group dynamics for teams that I often uh, rely upon as well as a manager and a professor. But um, yeah, always good stuff. (laughs) So proactive. um, in, In proactive, I think it's really helpful to kind of like identify the risk before it becomes an issue or concern. Like if you think about it as a a dashboard where you know that there's a check engine light or other things, that's not saying that there's a problem right now, but potentially this could be something that would pop up. Just like you have your, your gas gauge as it's continuing to be full and then going down, 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 you know, like, all right, I have maybe a little bit more time to handle things before it becomes a real problem. Right. But you want to make sure your supervisor, your leadership, they're aware of this. Absolutely. And even if you have it in your beautiful stoplight presentation that you maybe email to them or anything like that, make sure you sit down with them and they understand, look, this is an issue. We're having an issue and it's going to derail this whole project. So we want you aware. 
or maybe it's just a, a minimal risk, but still you as the more likely manager of the project are responsible for making sure that the project stays on right. track right. and informing leadership of where it stands, if there are any issues and if you need them to step in so that they don't end up being a micromanager because maybe you did not communicate that early enough. Right. And everyone has their scope of responsibility. You could be at the very lowest point in the organization, but you still have your role and your job that you're doing. So you need to be able to manage what you have and manage it up well enough rather than just like, oh, you know, this is something that another person's going to do, or maybe I saw this issue, but I'm not going to say anything because it's not my job. Or, you know, why should I say anything about that? Right. If one little gear in the engine, you know, goes off course, it's going to cause the whole thing to falter. So you want to make sure that all those little pieces are aligning just right. And that that's key to continued career growth. You can take that with you from entry point all the way to the most senior positions because it's as valuable at all levels. So those are three strategies to really help you work with a micromanager. The first one is agree on expectations. Second, communicate early and often. And then lastly, number three, be proactive and also be risk aware. Right, which I think some of these can even be tied to helping you to not be a micromanager. Yeah. But the key also is sometimes you may have to use that high direction um, method of supervising. So we've got just about five minutes left here in our show today, and we're going to go ahead and get into now questions from the Gov Geekdom. We're excited about this. Uh, we, we get questions in every now and again, either through our one-on-one -on -one conversations that we have or our presentations that we give as well. Uh, if you have a question, please feel free to send it an email to us or head to uh, thegovgeeks.com for more information about you know, signing up for different activities, letting us know what you're thinking about, and we'll ha we're happy to talk about it here in this platform as well. Okay, so our two questions that we have are, first off, what are some of the benefits uh, from a government job? I guess a lot of people will say stability. You are pretty much stable in that job. Mm -hmm. uh, very difficult to fire individuals, but... It is a very stable career. Uh, I, I definitely like that one as well. Right. And all the benefits with insurance, insurance and leave. I care, dental, we're very lucky. Medical, right? Yeah, we're very lucky to be able to have paid leave. Sick um, leave, paid leave, a lot of holidays as well, federal holidays. Those are great. Uh, I think personally for me, it's the idea that you can do things in government really that you can't do at other places mm -hmm. because the work that we're doing is inherently governmental. It has to be done by a person that is representing the people in that position that they have. They have a delegated authority to do that type of work and being in that position, it's really cool. Uh, all of us uh, in, in federal government, as we take our oath of office, when we're entering it in, uh, that's that's just something that is very meaningful for us. So it's right. certainly I was there. looking at it again, you know, yesterday and just taking in those words again um, and why we are in the positions that we are. And I think one of the benefit or the main benefit for me, I mean, it's a definitely added benefits of all the other things, but it's just being able to serve a higher purpose and to help the public, I think, is one of the 
the highest benefits, at least for me. That's awesome. Uh, we have our next question here. Uh, are all of the government jobs in DC? Federal, federal jobs. Um, There's a lot of them high, here in DC. High concentration here in in DC. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the federal government is the biggest purchaser of goods and services, as well as one of the biggest employers in the world. Um, there's jobs that you can do for the federal government everywhere. Uh, I, I mean, there's different um, regional offices, posts and commands that are spread throughout the world. So if you're interested in a fulfilling career that can take you to different places in the world, the federal government could definitely be that one. Yeah. yeah. And we go a little bit more into detail in some of our other presentations about the different pay scales based on your locality. So that's one of the the key things to keep in mind is that a GS nine in one location will pay different than a GS nine in another location. Right. And that's based upon locality pay adjustments, uh, just to make sure that you're keeping up the cost of living. The government needs to be competitive in what it offers to attract the best and the brightest to do the work of the, of the people and the public. And, you know, in fact, uh, we go over this a whole lot more in our GovGeek Challenge. Uh, the GovGeek Challenge kicks off this coming Tuesday. We're excited about that, January 12th. Uh, there's still a couple of slots left if you're interested in signing up. It's only $49. And when you sign up, you get a lot of really great big, uh, benefits from this one as well. Uh, a good career strategy, how to write your government resume, planning and preparing for interviews, as well as just overall managing your networking uh, strategy as well. So only 14 days, only $49, pretty helpful. Uh, head out to thegovgeeks.com to find out more information about this. Uh, and also we have our videos that we are doing on LinkedIn as well. Uh, resume Basics, a nine part series. I think we're on part five now. But all of the videos are saved there as well. So please uh, feel free to head to LinkedIn every Wednesday and you can see the other information there on the other videos. Uh, all of this, of course, is saved at thegovgeeks.com. So head out to that, uh, that website there for that. Um, Karen, do you have any other thoughts on micromanagers? I think just you want to make sure that you maintain that communication and provide the feedback so you all are on the same page. And if that type of leadership is not working out for you, then it's time to reflect a little bit and see what the next step is. Very good. And we are here as career coaches to help you along the way. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the journey. Stay safe. And we look forward to seeing you next week for GovGeeks Assemble. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service.